0: good morning to you. It is a joy uh, for me to be uh, here on uh, this campus today in a place where uh, God did uh, so much um, in my life and certainly um, in the life of uh, my wife, Joanna. We were actually students here at the same time, didn't know each other, um, but then later ended up meeting and um, and so have a really a special story. We actually met in the Rotunda here at Southwestern, so there's something special uh, certainly about that. Uh, let me thank Dr. Dockery uh, this morning uh, for his leadership um, here of the seminary. Uh, quite frankly, uh, month ago, a month or so ago, when all the news began to break, um, I think 47,000 uh, Southern Baptist churches uh, breathed a sigh of relief. Uh, when David Dockery and O.S. Hawkins uh, were coming here to lead because it was obvious and it was clear uh, that God was providing uh, for this seminary. And so we are grateful uh, to you. If I might say a word about the Dallas Baptist Association and really all associations uh, and make a quick invitation to you that if God is calling you to plant or to work in the area of revitalization in churches, um, that we would invite you to come and join us and to have a conversation uh, with us. Uh, I'm here here this morning. One of our other staff, Dr. Marlon McGuire, is here this morning. um, And also right here on this campus, so I'd rather you come to Dallas, there is the Tarrant Baptist Association where you can go over uh, where Becky Beiser serves, where you can go over and really find out about how associations and Baptist associations look at their geographic areas and ask the question, is there a church uh, within ministerial proximity that cares about every person in that area? And so as Baptist associations, at least in Dallas, uh, that's really what we work towards as we look at the areas of revitalization and planting new work. And so I would invite you to come and join us in that. If you have your Bibles today, I would invite you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, we are going to be looking at a message that I've entitled today, Always There. And now this morning, I'm going to be uh, walking through uh, some uh, testimony in my own life. But I want you to understand today uh, that my testimony Um, is secondary, in fact, far secondary to the scripture uh, that we are going to be uh, looking at today, the story in the Old Testament. And we are going to be seeing today uh, some principles out of this passage that I genuinely believe uh, will help you not only in your life today, uh, but in your life of ministry as you uh, begin to move forward. And so 2 Kings, uh, chapter 6, we'll begin there in verse 8. Let's stand together, if we could, in honor of the reading of God's word today. It says this. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he, will, he said, I will set up my camp in such, in such a place The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told him, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Verse 20, and they entered the city. Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they were there inside Samaria. Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father, shall I kill them? Verse 22, do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those who you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Pray with me if you would. Father, I pray that God, you would take This passage of Scripture that we have looked at today, and that, God, you would use it this morning to really minister to our hearts. Father, we love you today, and we praise you. God, I pray that, Lord, today, in a place like this, as I minister to those who minister, that, God, you would move me out of the way. And that you would speak your word through me. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated if you would today. The first truth that I want us to see from this passage of Scripture today is this. Is that God is always there and God is always greater. Let me say that again for those of you that are taking notes. God is always there and God is always greater. Greater. If you look back at the passage, you remember that the servant comes out in the morning and he looks around and he finds himself in a situation that he could not control and that he figured at that point was probably going to be the end of him. Because he knew what Elisha had been doing, he knew why the why why the soldiers were there, and so he's looking around and he's thinking this is probably it for me. But here's what Elisha tells the servants in verse 16. Don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Friends, I don't know what it is for you today that you are walking through. I don't know the pain that people in this room are dealing with, but I know there is uh, frustration and there is sadness, uh, simply because I know the human condition. And so what I would say to you is this, is that as you look at all that is happening around you, know this truth that as a child of God, those who are with us are more than those who are with them, Hebrews 13.5 tells us this. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. John 16.33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have peace. Tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. First John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And we can keep going and going and going. Friends, I want you to understand that no matter what it is that you are facing, and no matter what it is that you will face in ministry someday. You can look around and know that God is always with you and that those things that come for you, though they may hurt and though they may sting, you can know that God is always there. Some of you in this room are being called into church ministry. And I can tell you that in a church ministry, as a, a director of missions and an association, oftentimes um, I am involved in uh, those squabbles that happen in the life of the church. And, and I know there are times when uh, you will be criticized and you will be uh, maligned. Uh, those, those of you, the men in this room who are called to be uh, senior pastors, there will be a loneliness in leadership uh, that you have, you never thought you could have experienced. And certainly uh, when I got into the pastorate and I had been on staff at a church, I'd been here at the seminary, and yet when I got into the pastorate, I realized the loneliness uh, that came with that. Some of you in this room, Uh, Will be called to go to places where we can't even put your name on the prayer calendar. You will be called to go to places like uh, my classmate in seminary, David McDonald, who the first time I ever saw someone eat um, their frosty with fries was David McDonald down here at the Wendy's. And yet, he had a cheerful, wonderful attitude in class. In in 2004, he was in Iraq serving Jesus. And he was killed for his faith. And yet, even in that situation, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So the first truth, God is always there and God is always greater. The second truth is this, it is in the pain that we often see the provision. Let me say that again. It is in the pain that we often see the provision. Look back there at the passage. It says, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Friends, had there not been a problem, had the army not come, it is quite possible that the servant would have never been able to see the angel armies that were surrounding them. Friends, it is so true for you and I in our lives that it is often in the times of greatest pain that we see the greatest provision. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The song lyric that says, in darkest night he was close like no other. And so friends, whether it is cancer or a car wreck or the loss of income or the death of a loved one at an early age, no matter what it is, it is often in those moments that God will bring the greatest provision. March 5th this year, about six, seven months ago now, I went into a surgical center in Mansfield, Texas. It was a Saturday morning. I was having a colonoscopy. A little piece of advice for you. If you're ever going to have a colonoscopy, don't do it on your day off. (laughs) Take your sick time for that. That's what that's for. I went in, and and the doctor had said to me, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. We're just going to do this, rule some things out and I was rolled in to that recovery room and as I'm coming to that same doctor comes in and says we found something and of course the first thing they tell you is don't google it and so what's the first thing you do in you're kind of drugged up state you start googling it right I got home that morning And it said on the piece of paper, likely malignant tumor in the rectoid colon. Now understand, I was 42 at the time. I'm 43 now, turned 43 a few days later. All of a sudden, everything that I had held dear in my life seemed to be coming apart. And for me, um, thankfully, uh, that process went relatively quickly. It wasn't fast in my mind, about about a month, month and a half process that they had to walk through to uh, take care of that situation. Obviously, many people who deal with cancer uh, deal with that for years and years and years. Two weeks and two days after that diagnosis, I was on an operating table and they were taking out uh, the tumor about two weeks and six days or so after that or two weeks and six days after the initial diagnosis. They were telling me that um, they had gotten everything or they thought they had gotten everything. They never really know. Um, About five weeks after that, they were telling me I didn't need chemotherapy. And so God was very sweet to me during that time. People would would say to me things like, God is good. And of course, uh, my response was, yes, God is good, but God would have been good even if I had had to walk through this for years and years. But it was in those moments that God really began to draw me perhaps closer to himself than I had ever been drawn before. Because I, I I would go to bed at night and there would Uh, be this fear. And so in that fear that that I would have at night, the only way that I could get through that particular fear was to just cling to God in the midst of it. I would wake up in in the morning and I would just for a second forget about it, but then it would just come flooding back into my mind. and, And the only way I can describe it is I was just clinging to God in those moments and what was the darkest time of my life god became so very real to me two weeks and six days I remember it was I think it was a friday no it was a friday After I had received the diagnosis, I was home by myself, still recovering from the surgery. My primary care doctor, who's a personal friend and who had really walked with me through a lot of this, she called and she said they they were able to get it all. Your pathology report is, is clean. And I remember just through the tears And just feeling this sense of happiness, of the fact that that God had had brought me and seemingly brought me through this situation. There was a moment when I thought, I don't ever want to have cancer again. But I also don't want to miss the intimacy with God that the cancer brought into my life. Friends, it is in the pain that the provision will show up. I pray this morning for you that you don't have to experience pain. But the reality is, in a Genesis 3 world, we're going to experience pain and heartache And difficulty. And what I would say to you is this, is that when you are walking through the pain, when you are walking through the darkest night, may you look up and see the provision of God in your life. Because I promise you that and listen listen to me, young men who are going to be pastors, when, when, when the deacons one day are jumping on you for just wanting to reach the community, know that, that God is near. Uh, listen, listen to me for all of us in this room. When we are in ministry and people are criticizing and maligning and and, and pushing back and saying things about us that are not true, know this, that God is near. When you are walking through that difficult season of your life, know God is near. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, I think is so appropriate for those of us that minister. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any troubles, with any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive. God. It is in the pain that we see the provision. The third truth that I want you to see this morning is this, is it will work out. We look here at the the story of Elisha and the servant, and we see uh, that it works out for them, uh, and it works out fairly quickly for them, doesn't it? But we, we can't just take uh, this story because ultimately we find principles uh, in this story, but this story is not necessarily about us. Really, it's not about us. We find the principles that God gives us here in this story. So here in this story, it works out. For you and I, it may take years upon years for it to work out. Uh, I've been in difficult church situations where I was looking at what's it going to look like? Are we going to have to close up uh, this building and we begin to to seek after God in prayer and God did a work, but that took years upon years to do The the disease and the illness. It may take years for you and ultimately it may only work out when you get to glory, but... The truth of Scripture is this, is that for those of us that have given our lives to Jesus Christ, ultimately, it is going to work out. You all are seminarians, and so you know when Jeremiah 29.11 talks about the plans God has for us, Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. You know that the context of that is written to people who are living in exile and who have decades of exile left to live in. And so, my friends, no matter what it is that you may be walking through today, you can know this for sure, that God is going to work it out, that he is going to use it for his glory, that he is going to use it to conform you to be more like the image of the Son. Friends, can I just talk to you? Perhaps those of you that might be younger today and perhaps those of you that that might be older as well because frankly, this is a reminder that I need as well. There's gonna be times in your life that you go to bed at night like I did, that you wake up in the morning whatever it is you're going through, you're you're going to really believe that it's never going to work itself out. You're going to really believe that that it's going to last forever. May I say to you that most of the time, the things that you worry about are probably going to work themselves out quicker than you ever thought they would. And that ultimately all the things that you worry about are going to work out when we get to see Jesus in glory. Dear friends, this morning, on this day that God has allowed me to be here and to bring his word may you know may you know for sure that he is always greater that he is always there that in the pain you will often see the provision and that he will Work it.